This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's been a very, very long time uh, since we've had an episode, and unfortunately it's just me tonight, but I will share my thoughts. Um, we started something a while back called the Lamentations from the Lazy Boy, and I've been pondering a discussion around something from that that era, and I really need to get this off my chest. So bear with me as I go through some things that uh, have been bothering me. And, and if Tony was here, he would he would probably chastise me for my thoughts, but he's not, so I get to share them anyway. And what I want to talk about is sports, um, specifically football, but I want to talk about sports in general. And, and there's two different ways to look at sports. There's the way to look at it as a fan, um, short for fanatic, you know, um, someone who won't change their mind, no matter if you try to change a subject or not. They're just passionate about the thing that they're passionate about. And that is probably true in, in many, many cases. I'm trying to be an objective fan in this respect. And, and the other, the other side of that is um, ownership of said team or um, administration. If we're talking about a, a program that's not professional, they, they don't always have the same goal. So, you know, if, if you're the owner of a team, you may want to win a championship, whatever championship that is in your respective sport, but you want success because success in your mind is winning games, right? It's, it's winning the number of games to keep you relevant in a conversation amongst best teams because that translates into uh, higher ratings on TV or, or more merchandise sold or more attendance at games or whatever metric you want to use. So while a fan wants you to win the championship every year, it's not realistic to win the championship every year. Um, That just isn't going to happen no matter what you try to do, no matter how good the players are, good coaches are good to play the ancillaries behind that. You're not going to win every year. It's just, it's not realistic. So there is some delusional behavior when it comes to fans uh, around that. But there's also not spending money or not making good decisions to remain mediocre, meaning we're not terrible, but we're never going to be great again, if you were at one time or might ever be in the future. So we're happy to be average. And that's a frustration for, let's be honest, that's a frustration for every fan no fan wants to be average. Now, if you ask a team or you ask a fan base prior to the start of the season when there's you have a team that has low expectations and they exceed those expectations but they don't win it all, maybe the thought process is, okay, we're growing. We're getting better. We're going to eventually be the thing that everybody's going to aspire to be. But if you go into the season with expectations that are high and you achieve the same number of victories that the unexpected team did, well, then you're disappointed because you didn't achieve what you 
expected to achieve. So fans can be very delusional in that belief that I think they're always wonderful. You know, I used to be in a fantasy football league, a couple of fantasy football leagues for a number of years. And you'd see the people, they had a favorite team and they would draft players on their team because they were on their team, their, their actual team that they rooted for. Not necessarily because they were the best player, but sometimes because it was one of their team. And, and you could always tell those people weren't separating the rational from the irrational. And they were, they were going with their heart instead of their head. And, and it didn't usually work out for them because they didn't pick the best player. Or they would not pick a player because it was on a team they hated. Their, their biggest rival. And they just would not pick any player on that team. Even though they were the best player for that position that they could have picked up. They just don't do it. So I recognize it. Fanhood is not always rational. So I'm a fan of the Michigan Wolverines and a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Volunteers. I I, I want to be objective on Michigan um, because it comes into play with with what I'm going to talk about with the Steelers. I have never been. And I continue to not be a fan of Jim Harbaugh. I don't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't like him as a person. I don't like him as a coach. I didn't like him as a player. I've never been a fan of Jim Harbaugh or his brother John. Um, they've had various levels of success, and John has won a Super Bowl. But I'm not a fan. I don't like them as head of the team that I am rooting for. I was a Michigan fan before Harbaugh was a coach there uh, long before. Now, he, I was a fan when he was a player there, but uh, maybe I'm connected there. But um, I'm just not a fan of his style, of his methodology, um, anything about the guy. So this year, he, is, he was suspended for six of their 12 games. Um, one was the self-imposed... And we haven't, I haven't talked about it, but the, the school self-imposed a three-game ban because he's under an NCAA investigation that may turn out to be more. So the, self, the self-imposed ban doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I can't anticipate the NCAA saying, well, okay, you sat out three games, so we'll go with that. You just forfeited having him on the sideline for three games. They're still going to pursue and more than likely punish for something. Then that was a, uh, it's around a recruiting violation during a dead period during COVID. And it's a little complicated, but basically he, he had com- he had conversations with and, and met with people when he wasn't supposed to meet with them. I, I think that's frankly, I think most of what the NCA does is silly. I think that's, it's self-serving and it's uh, designed to remain competitive, but it's selective enforcement of things that they feel like selectively enforcing. So that's another side. Then later in the season, mid-October or so, um, there was some sign-stealing allegations um, towards Michigan. And a, and a hanger-on, is that the best way to look at it, who was then hired by the team, um, who more than likely looks like he was paying people to go to games that the Michigan Wolverines were going to play or had or were going to play in the future and and basically record uh, with a cell phone the signs. So if you ever watched a, a college game, they have 
all these boards up, people in different colored hats and jerseys, um, basically trying to get the signs into the offense or defense. Um, but it's different things. So only the players know which ones they're supposed to look at and everything else is just supposed to be uh, smoke. Um, so what you do is, as with any code breaking, you you get enough information. You can see some similarities. You can see repeated things that you know. You can say, okay, look at that play. That's what happened. This is the sign they had up when that happened. So that must mean this. And you, and you do this analysis. So Connor Stallions was that guy. And he was on the staff of um, Jim Harbaugh. And it came out that he was buying tickets in his own name and giving them to people to go do this. And the NCAA, since the mid-90s, has had a rule that you cannot, you can steal signs when you're in the game. If you walk across the field and you figure it out, you, you can steal signs. Um, if you happen to catch it from a broadcast, you know, you're watching the game on TV and you pick it up, okay. And if you're um, if you catch it on the coach's film, for some reason it's on the coach's film, then then you can do that. But you can't go to a game that you're not playing that week or upcoming weeks and videotape what's going on on the sidelines. That's illegal. It's an unfair advantage. And the unfair advantage was not that you couldn't all do that, but they felt when the rule went in that certain colleges didn't have the money to go do the scouting. So if you said, if you said to a pro team, you can't go scout another team that you're going to play next week. You can't send any people from your staff to go scout that. They would laugh at you. Because it seems silly, doesn't it? I mean, I, you do it in high school. Um, players do it in high school against other players. Coaches go to other games and matches, and and they see what's going on, and they, they figure out, you know, this is a tendency they have. That's just good good planning for a, a game. And, and I don't want to get back to – I think back to the Brady Bunch uh, episode. There was an episode where um, Greg Brady was on the football team, and he came across the opposing teams, the rival teams – playbook and it was a big moral conundrum should he return it in should he keep it should he try to use it to give his team advantage at the end of the day i I think two things here and if it's against the rule it's against the rule okay it's a stupid rule it's a silly rule but if it's against the rule then punish jim harbaugh punish the team punish whomever's involved fine dumb rule i don't you you could solve it by simply putting headphones in the in the uh in the helmets of the players and you bypass that whole silly charade that goes on the sidelines. But if it's a rule, fine. Does it give them an unfair advantage? Should Michigan be expected to forfeit two or three or whatever seasons they determine are, are um, one under bad circumstances? I've heard some coaches say, Oh yeah, yeah, you should, you should forfeit. Well, they're the teams that got beat. I don't believe, this is me personally, if I know, I, I played soccer and I, I wrestled, I could know somebody's going to do something. I could see it on film. I could see it live. I know they're going to do something. It doesn't mean I can counteract it. It just, I know that they do this. They have a tendency to do this. In this situation, this is what they do. That doesn't mean I can stop it. So knowing it, well, it's helpful it's not the end all and be all of performance. So if you go back to uh, the 1960s uh, Lombardi uh, Packers, they're gonna they were gonna run left or right. 
you know, USC, student body left, student body right. They were going to run it, and you had to stop it. Now, you knew it was coming. You knew exactly what they were going to do, and you still couldn't stop it because they had superior uh, play calling, not play calling, they had superior ability to execute the play. They had better athletes to do exactly what they wanted, and they did it. They imposed their will on somebody else. And that's what I look at sports as. It's, you know, looking at football, the goal is to get the football from one end to the other by throwing, running, catching, passing, whatever. Get it from one end to the other in a 100-yard field. That's the goal. We all know what the goal is. Now, I got to disguise that. I got to make it seem like I'm not doing this while I'm doing this. And some offenses have gotten more sophisticated in that. But by and large, you know exactly what's going on. It's not a mystery. You know, if, if you, you can turn on a football game at any time. And if you've watched enough football games, I, I, I laugh because I watched, I, I see a penalty flag and go, oh, it's holding or pass interference or blocking the bag or what, whatever. You can almost predict exactly what the penalty is going to be because you know where the flag was thrown and you know what normally gets called there. Not 100%, obviously. There's some weird things. The same thing happens with plays. I mean, honestly, if you see nobody on the wings and it's a big set and there's two running backs behind the quarterback, you know they're going to run. You don't know which one's going to run, but you know they're going to run because there's nobody out to catch the ball. Conversely, if you see nobody in the backfield and it's all spread wide, you know they're going to pass. Now, you don't know where they're going to pass. You don't know what the routes are going to be, but you know they're going to pass. And there's somewhere in between both of those. My point is, you can know the play. You can see it diagrammed for you. It does not mean you can stop it. It does not mean you can execute it if you know what is going to happen. You think the offensive players don't know what the play is? And they still can't execute it because somebody else is trying to impose their will on your game plan. So that's what happens in football. So should Michigan lose that those games, should they be suspended? Should, should Jim Harbaugh be suspended for the next season? I don't know, and I don't really care. I don't think it gave them an unfair advantage, and I don't think it's something that isn't being done by every other team to some, in some capacity. If you're a Division I program, oh, and here's the other thing. If you didn't change your signs, like last year, prior to the Big Ten championship game, there's an allegation in Ohio State and Rutgers gave Purdue Michigan signs. And guess what? Purdue still got smacked around. Even though they knew what was coming, they still got beat. If you didn't change your signs, that's on you. If your signs are so simple to pick up, that's on you. If it's complex and I figured it out, good for me, bad for you. I don't care. I w- Personally, you, the last three games of the season, Michigan did not, I can't imagine they were stealing signs. They didn't have somebody in the in the stands recording them. That would be extra stupid. I guess it's possible. Uh, Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. Connor Stallions wasn't there. They still beat those teams. They still beat those teams. So you can say they cheated, and by the letter of the law, that may be true. That's a very possible good possibility. But it doesn't mean they get an unfair advantage. They they broke a rule which you should punish them for, but they did not get an unfair advantage in doing so simply because you knew what was coming and you didn't stop it. 
So the whiners from Penn State or Ohio State, be quiet. Just be quiet. Okay? You lost. You weren't going to win if we handed you the playbook. So stop talking. And there's going to come a time when you're going to smack the crap out of Michigan. And the same response would be, we had a chance to win. Uh, My father used to say this to me growing up. You can't rely on the officials to win or lose a game for you. So you got to do well enough that even if the officials make a mistake, and they will, that you don't lose because of it. You can't keep it that close. Same thing for winning. I can't rely on the officials to give me an advantage to win. Well, the same goes with this. If yours, if the margin for error is so small that this knowing this play is the reason you win or lost, then you haven't done a good enough job. And I hear players say this all the time. Well, it's like they knew our playbook. Yes, because there's only certain ways to do things. There isn't like you can completely change everything. Yes, they knew your playbook because they watch film too. If you're good, you watch film of other teams. You figure out, this is what we like to do. We all do this. Do you, do you eat breakfast the same way every, month, every morning? Do you uh, drive to work the same way? Do you vary it maybe two or three different ways, and, but there's really a limited way to get there? There are limited options. So if you see a tendency, as we all have, then you're going to go after that. You're going to say, oh, I saw that on film. I know what he's going to do. He's going to pitch the ball to the left, and they're going to run across, run off tackle. Okay, I figured it out. And here I am because I know where I'm going, or I'm going to step in front of a pass because he always passes when he, when he rolls to the left. Okay. The goal is to make it different each time. If you make it the same because you're comfortable with it, then you better execute correctly or shame on you. So that's what I have to say about Michigan. We shall see. Uh, in the CFP, if that makes any difference, as I'm recording this, the CFP four games, uh, three games haven't happened yet, but we'll see what happens with that. Let me talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So remember my fan versus owner, fan versus owner. So as a fan, which is what most of us are, I, there are some owners in the crowd out there, but most of the people are fans and not owners. Fans want to see success. They want to talk about success. They want to brag about success. They want to talk about like it's their team. It's not. You don't own them. You just root for them. You root for laundry. Uh, what's the old line? I'm, I'm cheering for laundry because the names change, the bodies change, but it's the same laundry that you're rooting for. So I have, I wasn't opposed to Mike Tomlin when he was hired to replace Bill Cowher. Didn't have a lot of experience. He had one year as a coordinator uh, in the NFL and you know, he was a young hire, came from a defensive background, but he kept some of what Bill Cowher had been successful with um, to win a Super Bowl two years earlier. So in his second season, Mike Tomlin wins a Super Bowl. Oh, great. You know, you know that, that's awesome. Um, his first year he lost, uh, he got in the playoffs with a 10-6 record and lost. Okay. All right. You just kind of get your feet wet. I get it. Next year you win the Super Bowl, 3-0 in the playoffs, Great. And then, you know, there's, there's a stabilization period. They go nine and seven, then back up 12 and four, again, gets to the Super Bowl, lose to the Packers. Last minute thing, it was heartbreaking, but okay. We got many more years. We got Ben Roethlisberger. He's only a couple years in the league. We got lots of time. Well, then they lose the following year to Tim Tebow on the Denver Broncos. 
which if you watch that game, you're like, I don't know how they lost to Tim Tebow. Because Tim Tebow was a really nice guy, great Christian guy, but not not a great quarterback. So really missing where the how you lose to Tim Tebow, but they did. Um, and then it's just a steady mediocrity. So if we go down his entire career as a head coach, Mike Tomlin, um, he's won 170 games in the NFL. He's lost 100, and he's tied twice. That's a winning percentage of 6, 6.633, 63.3% uh, winning percentage. Pretty good. In the playoffs, in those 17 years, and this season is yet to be finished, so we, it may change, but doesn't seem likely. Uh, he's 8 and 9, okay? Uh, it's a .471 winning percentage in the playoffs. So the debate becomes, are you improving year to year? Are you better than you were last year? You may not win it, but are you better? So since losing the the Super Bowl um, in 2010, the 2010 season, um, they've won three playoff games. That was 2010. It's 2023 as we record this. Three playoff victories in 13 years. That's not going to get it done. And you'll, you'll ask yourself, well, why is he still the coach? Or why, you know, maybe they're they're winning other things or doing well. Um, they, this is my opinion. And I've, I think I've said this on the on the show. If I've not, I've, I've said it to other people. Um, ben Roethlisberger had some troubled youth. Uh, let's put it that way. His early years in the league, um, an arrogant, brash jerk, basically. He had some run-ins with some legal issues that, honestly, I am I would have been okay in hindsight, probably at the time even, cutting him. And not because he wasn't good on the field, but because his character was lacking. He, he lacked the character to have one of those special 32 spots in the NFL. Um, and people say, well, you know, he was a generational talent. Okay. But since that Super Bowl loss, and when Ben had most of his issues and could have been cut, they've won three playoff games. Three. In only four of the seasons that Tomlin has coached, have they won any playoff games? So four out of 17 seasons, they've won a playoff game, at least one. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016. So we're now going into seven years since they last won a playoff game. Now, I repeat, Mike Tomlin has won 170 games, okay? That's a lot of games. There's not a lot of coaches who can say that, basically because longevity in the NFL is not very long. What's the old line, not for long? That's the NFL. If you don't do well, you don't last. But what what has Mike Tomlin done over the last decade, 13, 14 years? What? What are you seeing that says, yes, we're getting somewhere? Because there is a lifespan and a shelf life for coaches at any sport in any level. 
You can't be there indefinitely. You eventually lose the room. Now, the room may have turnover, but eventually they stop listening to you, either because they don't think you know what you're talking about, they don't aren't interested in what you're talking about, or they're just bad players that just shouldn't be shouldn't be in there. That's the problem we're dealing with here. Okay? This is a problem where I don't think we're looking at these rationally and saying, oh, that's great. He's done 170 victories, so therefore we should just keep him around indefinitely because he's been successful in the past. As a fan, that's frustrating. It's very frustrating because you're not getting there. You're not mediocrity. Mike Tomlin talks about the standard is the standard. You know, I, I think he and Kamala Harris must work together on their sound bites because that doesn't make any sense. The standard is the standard. Well, it, the standard would appear to be mediocrity. That's what it would appear to be. Okay? So going back to, uh, let's go back to 2018, 2016, last time they won a playoff game. They were 11-5 that season. Then they went 13-3 and three and lost the first game in the playoffs. 9-6-1, and 8-8, eight and 12-4. Eight, Lost to Cleveland. They took the first place in the NFC, AFC North and lost to Cleveland. 9 7 1, 9 and 8. Currently they're 7 and 7, and they have a good chance to be 7 and 10 uh, at the end of this season. And you hear Tomlin's never had a losing season. So what? Who cares? He also hasn't won a playoff game in seven years. They haven't been relevant, honestly. They haven't been a challenge for a Super Bowl. Since the last Super Bowl they went to. So you tell me, is that something I should be excited about as a fan? You want me to buy your merchandise, go to your games, support the team, and you put this. You put this on the field. So tell me, why exactly should I be excited about Mike Tomlin in 2024? So last night, as I'm recording this, Steers lost their third straight game um, and looked inept. They, they just looked inept. And Mike Tomlin came off afterward and said, uh, everything's on the table for change. Now, that would be great, except he said that before this season. And he said in past seasons, everything's on the table. What he means is everything's on the table, but I'm not actually going to do those things. But they could happen. So just stick with us. We'll, we'll, we, we don't want the, how to fix it. So I would say, as with all head coaching, it starts at the top. It starts with personnel that you bring in. It starts with how you coach them. It starts with the people you hire to coach those players in their positions. It starts with ownership, being honest with themselves and saying, are we getting what we're paying for? Are we happy with mediocrity? Okay. Prior to Chuck Noll in, in Steel City, they would have taken this. Take out the six Super Bowls. I think in 1970, if you said we can get a coach that'll be here for 17 years and be 170 and 100, they probably would have taken that because that's that was a whole lot better than what they had. But that's not where we're at. It's not 1970 or 1969 when Chuck Knowles hired. It's not 1969. It's 2023. And yes, they have six Super Bowls, and Tomlin was the head coach for one of those. But it was so long ago that there's a generation of football fans 
who've never seen the Steelers dominant. They haven't seen it because it doesn't exist. They're not imposing their will on their opponent. So Tony would say, if Tony was here, he would say, well, who would you get that's better? I, I don't know that you get somebody better. You may get somebody worse. But flailing around saying the standard is the standard and everything's on the table, but nothing changes, well, guess what? I'm not happy with 170 and 100. I'm not. I don't expect to win a Super Bowl every year, but I expect effort. I expect fundamental football being played. I expect accountability, but that's not what we have. We have two wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, who apparently don't understand that they're part of a team. Their effort is not reflective when they're not involved in the play, their effort isn't there. And with Deontay, even when the effort is on the play, he is involved in the play, his effort isn't always there. He doesn't get two feet down when he easily could. He dances after scoring a, t- a meaningless touchdown at the end of a game that the Steelers were losing and ended up losing in the, in the waning moments of the game that they were not going to win. He's dancing like he accomplished something. I'm old school, and I just watched a, a documentary on uh, Barry Sanders called Bye Bye Barry on Amazon. Pretty good documentary. But act like you've been there and act like you're going to be there again. Every good play you do, and this goes, this isn't just a black and white thing. TJ Watt, you sacked somebody or you stopped a player, stuffed a play at the line. You don't get up and dance. You're supposed to do that. That is what you're paid to do. Okay, when your brand is bigger than the team, there's a problem because the team needs to win. I don't care how much your brand wins. I don't care how many commercials you're in. I don't care how many individual accolades you garner. If the team doesn't win, I don't care, period. You care about that. As a fan, I'm disgusted by it. Deontay, stop dancing. Perform better. For years, Deontay was the guy who would catch the ball and run backwards two or three yards before he would try to go forward. Consistently. It was insane. Oh, he's a great receiver. Yes, who loses yards on every play. Who cannot seem to figure out where the first down marker is because he's always short. George Pickens, talented individual who's got a bad attitude. He, when he's not the center of attention, he's got a bad attitude. Mitch Trubisky doesn't look like he knows how to play quarterback. You brought him in originally to, to mentor Kenny Pickett and then as a backup. If your backup has no legitimate shot of winning a game here and there, why is he your backup? Why, why is he on the team? I mean, if you just need somebody to hand off the ball, get get, get a college Undrafted college player, they can hand off the ball. If you're paying somebody millions of dollars, they better be able to win a game. They better look like they know how to win a game. Mitch Trubisky does not look like he knows how to win a game. We don't, the Steelers don't pick up players in free agency, usually, that are of any value. They try to draft because they don't want to pay. 
They don't want to pay the big salaries. Okay. But you can't draft your way out of this. When you're mediocre record, you're never drafting high. You're drafting middle of the pack. So you don't get that generational talent because it's not available to you. You're not winning the Super Bowl and you're not getting the first round pick that anybody really cares about. So guess what? You get mediocrity. The longer you stay in mediocrity, the worse you are because you can't draft your way out of it. It just isn't possible. Tony and I have had this debate. There's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. 32 people playing quarterback at any one time in the NFL. You would think you could find 32 individuals out of 8 billion people that could play quarterback. But apparently we cannot. There are not 32 good quality quarterbacks in the world. They just don't exist. So, yeah, is it realistic for me to say, well, why couldn't they get a better backup? Why couldn't they? Why did they pick Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett looks worse this year than he did last year. Was it Matt Canada's fault? I don't know. Was it Mike Tom's fault? Ultimately, yeah. You know, Mike Tom's not the GM, but Mike Tom's been there for 17 years. So I know he has personnel decisions or at least input into those personnel decisions. And I know the Rooney's tried to make up for not drafting Dan Marino by drafting Kenny Pickett because they weren't the same player. It's very obvious they weren't the same player. And to the people saying, well, you, if you got rid of Mike Tomlin as a Steelers organization, another team would snatch him up. I would say just because somebody else covets what you have doesn't mean it's right for you in your situation. Bill Belichick, I think, needs to be gone from New England. He's won six Super Bowls there. He still needs to be gone because he's lost the team. Now, they're not going to say that, but it's obvious. They have underperformed. They've got mediocrity top to bottom. They're starting Bailey Zappi, an undrafted free agent. They're, they're in the same situation as the Steelers. They had some good years. They had some very good years. But they don't have Tom Brady. So the, the debate I used to have was, was it the system? Is it Tom Brady? For a long time, I thought it was the system. Maybe it was Tom Brady. Maybe it really was Tom Brady. And without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick has been less than average. When he's in Cleveland, average. Without Tom Brady in New England, average. You know, it, you can't just make it happen because you want to. You can't, you can't win games on reputation. You actually have to go out and perform. And I don't think the Steelers or the Patriots right now are performing, although the Patriots did beat the Steelers last week. The Steelers are not in a position to light it up. They have no offense. Their defense seems to be a mash unit at best. And, and honestly, even when the starters are out there, they don't look good. Too many of these players are concerned with their own name, image, and likeness from a college realm. They're too busy about their own brand. Go perform. Go be a team. Act like a team. Perform as a team. Okay? Last night, the kicker, Chris Boswell, missed an extra point. It hit the crossbar and it bounced out. It can happen, but that's your job. Your job's to kick. You know, it wasn't a pressure situation where there was when, you know, kick this 
60-yard field goal to win the game. It was an extra point. And the fact that last night the Steelers couldn't break 20 points. They were up 13-0 at the end of the first quarter and didn't score another point the rest of the game. So apparently Gardner Minshew has a comeback victory because he scored his team scored 30 points. So he came from behind and won. Comeback victory. I thought about that this morning. A comeback victory. We look at that as a positive. I look at it as a marketing term. Um, TV stations or uh, game game time decisions there, they go, well, this, this player, has, this quarterback has had 34 comeback victories. Well, you know what? If, if the team was that good and the player was that good, they wouldn't need to come from behind 34 times, right? They'd have been ahead. They wouldn't, they'd be out of the game because they're so far ahead. If you have to come back, it's because you didn't do something earlier and this is your last chance. Now, they want you to keep watching because it could happen. They could come back. But the reality is they probably won't. More often than not, they don't. If it's 34 times, how many other teams have been behind that didn't come back? But they want you to keep watching. So don't confuse hype and marketing and feel good. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. I would say who cares? Who cares? If you don't have playoff success, it doesn't matter that you didn't have a losing season. It's a meaningless statistic that only means something to people who keep spouting it. I should feel good because we haven't, as a team, the Steelers haven't won a playoff game since 2016. But Mike Tom has never had a losing season. So what? Who cares? Bill Belichick is going to have a losing season this year, and he's won six Super Bowls. Which is more important? That Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season, but he's only won one Super Bowl, which I would contend with Bill Cowher's team. Or, you know, you've had a losing season, you got to pick higher in the draft, so maybe there's a player you could get better with, and you've won multiple Super Bowls. See, if you don't go up or come down, you you can't really get better. So... I, I personally feel there should be a change in leadership at the Steelers. I think there should be a change in leadership at the University of Michigan. But that's only my opinion. And I'm not the owner or the administrator of either group. So I leave it to everybody out there. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Did I make a mistake somewhere that you think, well, that's so obvious, I can't believe you didn't think of it. Because I believe that there's, there's a lot out there to like about sports. But mediocrity is not something to celebrate. Never has been, never should be. Mediocrity is to be um, tossed aside. And this is the Pete Rozelle. You know, we're all, we're all even. Well, I don't like to see a runaway, but I also don't like to see mediocrity. I like to see teams bubble up and get better over time and say, oh, I get to watch them for a little bit. And then the next teams come along and I get to watch them a little bit. But seeing the same teams all the time, not fun. Seeing your team be be average, you know? Go talk to the Carolina Panther fans. Are they happy? They got Bryce Young last year, and they're still bad. Okay? Who cares? Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, they get Trevor Lawrence, maybe. Something will happen. I don't know. Yeah. San Diego Chargers, they just fired their coach. It's a not-for-long league because we have our fickle 
in our views. People get tired of close losses and constant losses. I told somebody today and talked to him, I said, is Mike Tomlin, except for the victory in the Super Bowl and being at two Super Bowls actually, is he Marty Schottenheimer? Good record, regular season, but that's it. Is he an equivalent Marty Schottenheimer in some fashion? Marty Schottenheimer's a great coach. Got a lot out of his players. Couldn't win the big one. Couldn't get to the big one. Does that mean he wasn't a good coach? No. He had a couple stops along the way, and he had some success. But he couldn't win the big one. He couldn't get to the next level. And the next level is championships. So tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm, you're way off base. I can't imagine why you won. Why, why are you a Michigan fan? Why are you a Tennessee fan? Why are you a Steelers fan? That's fine. We're all going to have differences of opinion on that. But I do believe there's a lot to be learned from this. And there's a lot to be garnered from this. And we just need to figure out if you're a fan of a particular team, you, you hold them accountable. Hold them accountable for giving you better product on the field. Not every year. I don't expect 100% success. But year in and year out, show improvement. Show that you're getting better. Show that you understand and can learn from the mistakes, whether it's a player or a coach or an owner. Because otherwise, why am I spending my time or my money considering anything you have to offer? Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. If if people don't watch, they don't pay. I didn't buy the Sunday ticket this year because I don't really need to watch every Steelers game. I don't need to watch all these games because there's a lot of mediocrity. And I just don't need to pay extra to watch mediocrity. If it's on, I happen to be watching it, great. There's games I just haven't even turned on because I didn't care. Think about that. If as a fan, a super fan at one time, what changed? You should be asking yourself that at the NFL. So that's all I got. Thank you for joining me. I'm Chad. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.